Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. I have something special for you today. Today, I'm going to bring someone from my inner circle to all of you. His name is Joe Nego, and he has been my best friend for the past 25 years. A brilliant man, a very successful business owner, a great leader. He's been married to his bride, Julie, for 23 years. They got five kids, so they're still trying. It's still time to catch me there, Joe. Keep doing your best. Joe is uh, a synergy partner for me in creating content. We've worked together in the presenting side of things uh, in the business world for the past 20 years. I don't think we've had three days go by in the last 25 years where we haven't talked. He's a brilliant man. He has a brilliant head on his shoulder. And what I admire most about him is he has an unshakable character. And today we're going to talk about cultivating an unshakable character. And I like to say that Joe Nego is a character with character. So I want you to listen to an interview between uh, two best of friends that have had lots of conversations over a glass of wine about lots of topics. And we're going to kind of bring you into a private conversation today so you can learn how to cultivate your character so that it's unshakable in times of trouble, in times of joy. So I hope you enjoy this today, and I hope it helps you cultivate an unshakable character. Top of the morning to you, Joe. How are you? Very good, Brian. Excited to be here. We want to talk about developing an unshakable character. Before we delve into our three major points here today, maybe you could just give us from your perspective an overview of what character is. Well, first of all, let me just start out by saying this. The fact that I'm on this call talking about cultivating and developing an unshakable character, it's a gift that you've asked me to be on this call. And I think the reason why you asked me to be on this call is not necessarily the fact that I have an unshakable character, but I admire people that do. I have a great admiration when I see character in action. I see character manifest itself. So I just want to start off and let everyone know that's a, a major craving and a desire in my life is to have more character. So a lot of my study and my research, it works itself around character, and I'm always attracted to it. When I started preparing for the conference call on character, the first thing I did is went to the dictionary, and I learned that from you, Brian. Mm-hmm. And Webster defined character as the traits and features that form an individual. I heard a wise person once said, character is what you do when no one's looking. Mm -hmm. So character is not what we have or what other people think of us. It's not our reputation. Character is not a list of our accomplishments or successes. Character is not even what we've done. But character is who we are. And I've just seen through my own life experiences that a person's character eventually, over a period of time, always works its way to the surface. And and you can't fake it, and you can't uh, buy it, you can't rent it, you can't lease it. You have to earn it one choice at a time. Mm. And I've seen the evidence of strong character reveal itself in people's lives. I've seen it manifest itself in people's health and relationships and finances and business and their spiritual life. And on the other hand, I've seen times, and I've experienced times myself, where I've had underdeveloped character qualities. 
and I felt the pain and the ramifications of not having those character qualities developed in my life. Mm. So it's something that I believe, I haven't done any research on this or been in a laboratory to figure this out, but I believe a massive amount of problems that we face on a day-in and day-out time period can all be traced back to a character-based problem. No doubt. And obviously, as we are preparing for this, and this is something that I've admired in you since the day we met, is just you've been on this quest from day one always about developing character. Always, when you face with a challenge or a circumstance, I've seen this throughout the last 15 years of knowing you, when you faced a problem, the first thought you had was not who's to blame, but what's my part in this, or what area my character is lacking or deficient at this time. And so I've always seen you do that. I've always seen you look towards that. And that's why this has been such an exciting proposition to do this call today, because ultimately everybody wants more character, but very few know what to do to develop it. And then also we're so caught up in the short-term benefits of our life that character seems such a long-term or global-type quality that but I want my paycheck to increase. I want to buy the new house. I want to get the new car. I want to lose the weight. I want to have better relationships. I wish my kids would behave better. I wish my screwed-up family wouldn't be so screwed up. And I'm just speaking non-autobiographically there. <laughs> but we look at those things, and we, we constantly look at these different situations in our life, and we focus on the circumstances but don't focus on the foundation. So ultimately, we have an opportunity here to look at the foundation and, and what the foundation of character is. What does that look like to you, Joe? Where does it start with regards to character? Is it the symptom? Is it the cause? Is it the foundation? Is it the window treatments? How do you apply yourself to this? Well, there is a cause and effect relationship in everything we experience in life. And mm -hmm. what I find is so many of us, we focus on the symptoms as opposed to the root cause. Right. Because it's a lot easier to try to fix a symptom it's much more difficult to look in the character mirror and say, what part of this problem do I own? Mm -hmm. And what's the truth of the matter? And many times, I know in my life, I've looked in that mirror, and I, I didn't like what I saw. And it's an uncomfortable process. But I know that when those character issues can be looked at truthfully, then a whole host of problems go away. And then you start experiencing the good life. I mean, you look at just from a health standpoint, and I believe the whole health industry and what corporations market to is trying to solve symptoms with people as opposed to getting the, to the root cause of why people aren't as healthy as they want to be. Mm -hmm. so they want to focus on the Hollywood diet or the Miami Beach diet or the Atkins diet or the diet pills. And, and those things, are, I guess, have a measure of merit, but they can't sustain themselves over time. I know there's genetics involved. I know there could be chemical happenings in someone's body that's causing health to happen a certain way. I know there's disease out there, but there is a large portion of this health issue that could be solved with someone just looking into the character mirror, cultivating that character by one choice at a time. Then mm -hmm. the same goes for finance and goes from there. And ultimately, as we see that, I mean, one of the things I saw in your real estate career, for example, is one of the things that amazed me is back in the day when we would be talking to one another on the phone after going on appointments, is that anytime you went on a listing appointment and you didn't get the listing, you would call back the seller and say, I just want you to know I respect your opinion, I respect your choice, and I wanna, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better, I'm trying to improve. Can you give me the reasons why you chose that person so that I can get better in the future? And I always found that was just a tremendous statement of your character that you could not just embrace that and didn't take it as a personal rejection, but that, hey, there's an opportunity here to grow, there's an opportunity to develop, 
and you would have, you used to call it brutal honesty. You know, I want them to be brutally truthful and just tell me, why did you choose this person? I'm trying to find out how could I get better and so on and so forth. And not only did that develop your business, but that ultimately you had to have the character to get on the telephone to do that in the first place. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's extremely painful to uh, experience the truth. But I just have a strong desire to grow and to improve and to get better. And that we need to know the truth in every situation. And sometimes the truth hurts. Yeah. And you always talk about you can double your business as fast as you can double your self-esteem. And we've often talked about how you can double your self-esteem as fast as you can double your character. Right. And I'm just a student of the whole character facet of you know character and confidence. And I just realized that looking in the marketplace, I've seen endangered character qualities in real estate and agents and lenders across our country in general. And it's disturbing to see. If you were going to do a sales presentation and, and all these folks were just listening in today, but you were going to convince me why I needed to go cultivate my character, what would be the benefits or what would be the, the pain I would avoid or what would be the, the benefit I would receive? Well, character is so central to who we are. I would tell you this, and I, I'd break it down into five words. Your character is your destiny. Mm. Your character is your destiny. And there's no way around that. Character yeah. always works its way to the surface and eventually comes out over time. You can't fake it. People understand that and can identify it in their gut, that your character is your destiny. That's, that's the bottom line. And I know in my life, I want to continue to cultivate more and more character in my life. But I want to, I want to take those endangered character qualities I see out in the marketplace, and I, and I want more of it. So give me these endangered character qualities. I know we've chatted about this over the years, and I think this is going to be super beneficial for people today and ultimately formulate into these the main points that we can get our arms around to really start working on this today. But why don't you give me an overview of these uh, endangered character qualities and what we can do about them? Well, I would say the, the number one endangered character quality is discipline. Mm -hmm. The second endangered character quality is endurance. Mm -hmm. And the third is courage. So those are the three endangered character qualities I see out in the marketplace I'd love to talk about today. Developing discipline, increasing endurance, and living courageously. Fabulous stuff. It's one thing to speak in concept form and talk about character, but when you boil it down into character qualities, those are the things that all of a sudden becomes very personalized. Because I think all of us know that we could use some more disciplines in our life. We could use increasing our endurance and being more courageous I think is the opposite of just living fearfully. So let's delve in here, Joe. I, I think there's so much here, and I know this is going to be a benefit to so many people, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the notes I'm going to take on this today is just as you've given me an overview on what you were going to talk about today. So maybe you can just give us the highlights here in regards to developing discipline. Let me just start off by this. Is these character qualities we're going to talk about are built and cultivated one choice at a time. Mm -hmm. It's just one choice at a time. After this conference call... I wouldn't expect anyone to get off the phone and sign up for the Ironman marathon in Hawaii. Right. I know myself, when I work on the character in my life, I cultivate my character one choice at a time. Mm. So when I talk about discipline, I understand the power of discipline. You know, being a basketball player, being an athlete, I came from a very structured environment where discipline had great rewards when you practiced and you lifted weights and you exercised and then you took those benefits from that work from those disciplines and got onto the basketball court it paid great dividends mm -hmm. and i had discipline throughout my whole life because i was in a very structured environment where discipline was forced on me and then what happens six months later 
I find myself in a real estate office in a very undisciplined environment. Right. Maybe let me just share with you what the essence of discipline is. Sure. The essence of discipline are just two simple words. It's called delayed gratification. Mm. It's delayed gratification. The essence of discipline is delayed gratification. And, and I actually learned this from M. Scott Peck from his book, The Road Less Travel. Right. And he described delayed gratification. And this is brilliant. This is brilliant. I couldn't say it any better myself. Here it is. Delayed gratification is a process of scheduling the pain and pleasure of life in such a way as to enhance the pleasure by meeting and experiencing the pain first and getting it over with. So delayed gratification is a process of scheduling the pain and pleasure of life in such a way as to enhance the pleasure Mm. by meeting and experiencing the pain first and getting it over with. Mm. And then he goes on to say, and that's the only decent way to live. Well, that's so, somewhat counterculture, obviously, and, and we're also, as we come back the first pretty much working day of the year, this is the season of the opposite of delayed gratification, instant gratification. You know, we eat differently than perhaps we normally do, at least hopefully. We may have a few more drinks. Uh, I'm looking around at the staff. They look a little woolly here this morning. <laughs> You know, we stay up late, uh, we buy presents, then after getting presents and opening presents and ripping open presents, then we go to the sales, and then we hammer the sales and do the exchanging and all the different... I mean, it's like, this is the instant gratification season, so it's pretty good timing. But culturally, delayed gratification is obviously an anathema to our culture today. Peck talks about scheduling the pain first and getting it over with. How does that work out in practical terms? I mean, is it just a matter of being sick enough to say, okay, I'm going to schedule the pain first? Or is there a benefit? Is there a payoff? You know, is there a reason to do it other than order? Well, if you look at it, we will experience pain and pleasure in life. The question is, is do you want to pay now or pay later? Right. So if you pay now, you pay less, and the payoff is so much greater. But if you want the payoff right now, and you want to pay the price later, boy, you pay a steep price. Right. I mean, if you look at that from a real estate application, you, know, you look at someone's life who says, you know, the truth of the matter is getting on the phone, making calls, sitting down, writing notes, doing Popeyes, there is a measure of enjoyment about that, but it is a painful process. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always a risk you're taking to someone giving you a lukewarm response or someone not being totally receptive, and getting out of your comfort zone is painful many times, but if you get just disciplined yourself to get that pain over with first, mm-hmm. and then you'll enjoy the benefits of referrals and in a, in a robust business later. It, it just makes so much sense. It's the only decent way to do real estate. Mm. The essence of discipline is delaying gratification. If we just understand we're going to pay now or pay later, we have a choice. And it's very difficult because when we are trying to make decisions at the time that the decision needs to be made then there's a tug of war that takes place. When we're in the office and our emotions are flying and, and, and all these fires need to get put out and the bullets are flying and you got the deals on the life support system, it's very difficult to make a good choice during that time period. Right. So the essence is delayed gratification. Okay. The practice of discipline is advanced decision-making. Mm-hmm. It's advanced decision-making. It's advanced decision-making. So you make a decision far in advance when you're of good state of mind right. 
and you know what you need to do as opposed to what you want to do, and you make a logical decision more so than an emotional at-the-spur-of-the-moment decision, right. you make that decision in advance. Non-reactionary. Correct, yeah. I mean, and this is what I've tried to do. I and mean, we've talked about this a number of times during the time where we're both selling real estate together of, of just planning out our week in advance. Mm-hmm. You teach time blocking all the time. Time blocking is advanced decision making. Mm-hmm. You're making a decision far in advance. You know, we sit down Sunday night and time block out our week. Monday morning between 9 and 10, I'm going to make calls. Tuesday between 10 and 11, I'm going to send out notes. And we, and we plan out our week. So when Monday morning rolls around and we're tired and we're aggravated, you might have some good energy, but Oprah's on the television. <laughs> right. You know, and you have to make a choice at that moment to get on the phone to make calls or do something that's a little bit more enjoyable. I'm telling you, we set ourselves up for failure if we try to make that decision right there. If you right. make this decision in advance, then it becomes non-negotiable. You just do that activity. Right. So advanced decision-making is so, so important. That principle applies in so many other areas of life. Sure. Also. You can transfer that to eating. If you go in with a plan and you have your meals planned and so on and so forth, as opposed to, oh, geez, it's 2 o'clock and I haven't had something to eat, then you're going to make a decision at that time that might not be in your best interest. Right. In the business, with, with the family, oh, we should do this, we should do that. But as far as really get, being proactive, I mean, that's really the essence of it in practice there. So... If the essence of discipline is to exercise delay gratification, the practice then is advanced decision-making, what's the methodology? How do you go about it? Well, the way this gets all implemented, and I think is the key piece, it is the companion to delayed gratification and advanced decision-making, okay. is being accountable. Mm. Is being accountable. Because you can understand the whole concept of delayed gratification. I either pay now or pay later. I have the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And you can sit down on Sunday night and you can time block out your whole week, but you become much more stronger in the area of discipline if you have someone holding you accountable. Right. That's why life is improved through coaches. When coaches are holding people accountable, now, everyone wants accountability until you get it. Right. right? But if someone was just built their character up and says, you know what, I'm going to look in this character mirror, and I know I'm the type of person that doesn't want to be held accountable, but I know I need it in my life. Boy, the fruit and the payoff they'll gain from that would be so unmeasurable. Right. And that's why accountability is difficult. It's kind of like Beverly and I have often, and we're pretty focused, driven, proactive people, but try to hold each other accountable. And part of the accountability process is you're going to make mistakes. You're going to stub your toe. You're going to have good days and bad days. So having that independent third party, not just in, in, in what we do at Buffini Company in the business coaching, but whether it's the workouts and getting the health trainer, whether it's finding a source of accountability who may be a great role model for family life, those kinds of things, that we find this independent third party and say, okay, I'm going to submit myself to accountability. That's actually a discipline all of itself, isn't it? No, definitely. Yeah, having the courage to say, hey, I want someone to hold me accountable. I'm going to ask the studio audience here, how many of you in here by a show of hands think you need more discipline in your life? Uh, I'd be about uh, 98%, and the denial corner uh, we'll deal with later. (laughs) So we all know we need more discipline, and we all know, hey, we'd like to have these disciplines in place. We'd like our life to be better. I read a report that said 1.8 million people will join a gym this week. And... uh, 
that was the number from last year, and 45% of those people will cancel out of the gym by the end of March. So we know we want more discipline. We know delayed gratification, advanced decision-making, being accountable, that all makes sense. But ultimately, the glue then would be the endurance piece because we want to go past March. To have our best year ever, we have to, yeah, we need to start strong. Yeah, we need to put the new disciplines in place. But we need to have the compounding effects of continual effort. So talk us through this whole process with endurance. And this is something I've admired in your life for many years. So how do we increase our endurance, Joe? Well, we know it's a problem that plagues the real estate industry. Eighty percent of the real estate agents turn over every three years. Right. And, and I believe a lot of the problem there is the microwave mentality that our society has adopted. Mm-hmm. You know, we want it, and we want it now. And the whole idea of, of staying the course and having the staying power to not cash in the chips and to endure the pain. You know, you hear the term determination. Determination, when I hear that word determination, it's a great word. And to me, it means something that's going to be accomplished on the short term. But endurance... When I hear the term endurance, I think of someone like Mother Teresa, mm. who has withstood the test of time. I think of Billy Graham. I think of Rick and Dickie Hoyt, mm-hmm. you know, of the endurance over a period. I think of a husband and wife celebrating their 50th year anniversary. I think of a single mom raising three children. I think of endurance, endurance. And what fuels that endurance? Here's been a big piece for me, because I love this quality of endurance and I want more of it in my life, it helps me fuel the endurance in my life by having meaningful goals. Mm. I fuel endurance in my life by having meaningful goals. You know, most people aim for nothing and hit it with amazing accuracy. But if you know why you're stepping in the Coliseum, and you're just not in this life to try it out, but you really want to make an impact, and you're really serious about this, then you have to know why you're doing it. So your goals have to be very simple, you to understand, you have to attach meaning to those goals, and they have to be embedded into your DNA. They have to be the most important thing you think about. It's interesting you bring this up because this will resonate with many of our members who've been with us a long time. This is something I've experienced very recently where I've accomplished many of the goals I've set in my life, and I've set tons of them. And after a period of time, setting goals became a very bland exercise, and it became one more thing to do. And it hasn't it's just been till very recently, the last four or five months, that I've been able to recultivate a deeper sense of authentic meaning to my goals so that my goals are much more connected to who I really am and what I'm really all about, making it a deeper connection to our family and our kids and my wife and our life together and just attaching much greater meaning to the goals, giving a time frame to it. I look at the next 10 years in raising our children and how important they are. And all of a sudden, it's, it's manifested itself in all kinds of choices, as you keep saying. It's, this is all about one choice at a time. But it's amazing that it, there's so many people who are listening to this who will have set goals and have reached goals. Many have improved their lives many times over, but the goal setting has become bland. I believe we can help people get to that place where the goals are meaningful. We've done a great job of teaching people goals, and people have achieved goals But I think where we've been missing the mark is making the goals more meaningful to people. The first set of goals are always valuable to folks. But I think now we are going to take it up a significant notch to help those goals be more meaningful and more visceral in their life. And again, I think when that happens, they will become embedded in their DNA. Yeah, and one of the things I've experienced just, you know, having a relationship with you for the last 15 years, Brian, is I've noticed that you use goals 
as a tool to cultivate an unshakable character in yourself. Because just knowing you, you don't really seem to be a, a fellow who's into the material goods, though you enjoy them. Mm-hmm. You don't seem someone who's into the look at me and the prestige of having these things. You always set goals to keep you motivated and keep you focused and to cultivate that character. I mean, what did Jim Rohn say? Become a millionaire, not for what you get out of it, but what you can become by it. Right. So goals become a valuable tool to cultivate character. And if you set a goal that's a little bit further down the road than where you're at, you're going to need to be more disciplined. Right. You're going to need to have more endurance. You're going to definitely need to master this thing called courage. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. So goals are the tools you use to cultivate an unshakable character. I believe this area we're talking about right now, endurance, this is the area where people fall down. Last year, 87% of people who were polled did not set a New Year's resolution, as opposed to 1980, when 80% of people did set a New Year's resolution. So how our cultures evolved is I don't set New Year's resolutions because I know I'm not going to follow through on them. So now I'm ahead of the game by not setting them. And that's happened in 25 years. So... One of the reasons is we know how to start new things. We know how to buy the health rider. We know how to start the South Beach or the Bunza Titanium video program. We know how to start things. We start journaling. We start setting goals. But keeping it, that's the key. And this endurance piece. So if we set the meaningful goals, what other things can we do to engage this most critical part of life and of growth, which is the endurance piece that stops us from giving up, that stops us from losing heart, And when we do face problems, and we will instantaneously, now I've seen you do the Walter Payton workouts. I've seen you be the guy that in preparing by yourself for training camp, you'd work out till you threw up repeatedly. I mean, you have this piece down at a very, very high level. So I'd love you to give us maybe a few more ideas you have on how to increase our endurance because we're going to need it and we know it. Well, here's another thing that I try to practice in my life to build endurance is I try to make it a practice of breaking through quitting points. Mm-hmm. Now, you're probably thinking, what is a quitting point? And anyone who, who's a runner out there knows that if you set out to run and you're running any distance, there gets to be a point during that run where your legs get tired, your side starts to ache, mm-hmm. you're gasping for air, and the first thought that comes to your mind is, I just want to quit. Right. And that's the point where it's called a quitting point. It's those... Times in life that a student... By the way, some of us have the quitting point when it's cold outside. (laughs) And my bed is warm. (laughs) Oh, definitely. That's the tug of war. Right. That's the tug of war of choice. We're in the bed, and it's nice and warm. And I have to step out of the bed on the cold floor, go down into the basement to work out. I quit. (laughs) (laughs) Put my head back on the pillow. Right. But everyone experiences quitting points at different stages in their lives. And that is a muscle that needs to be built up. Endurance is a muscle. Mm. You can cultivate it one choice at a time. So maybe someone will start quitting after they make two or three calls, and their goal was to make ten calls. Right. So they just have to recognize, hey, this is a quitting point that I'm experiencing right now. I'm going to break through this quitting point and do the ten calls that I said I was going to do. Right. And every time someone breaks through a quitting point, they just have a building block for their character. And the character quality of endurance gets stronger in their life. 
This is huge. I mean, I think the big thing you just said here is that endurance is a muscle. And we all know that we can develop muscles in different ways. So we can develop a breakthrough muscle, which breaks through quitting points, or we can actually develop a quitting muscle. The minute we feel any kind of discomfort, the minute we feel any kind of pain, the minute we feel any nervousness or emotional pull, we just quit. The minute we feel any kind of temptation, we just give in to it. We make the choices. I know when I did the uh, CD series with Tony Schwartz, he showed me the Tufts University study dealing with people's willpower and how uh, we covered this in a conference call some years ago where they had this group of people, they were holding them in a, a little waiting room to go in and do a puzzle. And as it turned out, the puzzle actually could not be solved. Mm. But they wanted to see how much endurance and stick to people had. So the first group of people, what they did was they had these fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies. I know a real hot point for you. And they brought in this tray, and here's this aroma of these chocolate chip cookies. And then when they, when they put the people in the room, they said, now, guys, just want you to know, these cookies are not for you. We're sorry. These cookies are for the next group of people coming through. And so they had the cameras on them, and they're watching these people. And obviously they're in an environment of temptation, peer pressure. And so they held off from going and eating one of the cookies. When they went into the test to do the puzzle, these people quit the test in about 15 minutes. Now, the next group of people, they brought them in, and they brought in a tray full of freshly sliced cucumbers. And they said, now, guys, we want you to know that these cucumbers are not for you. They're for the next group. Well, it obviously took no character on their part whatsoever to resist the cucumbers. They went in and did the test, and they lasted three times longer than the first group. And so what happens to us is that when we quit and we go, okay, give me the chocolate chip cookie. We're building the chocolate chip cookie muscle. So then we get on the treadmill and we feel a little, oh, I'm going to give up. Oh, you know, one more piece of pizza. Oh, you know what? I'll get to those notes tomorrow. And what I found in my life is that this muscle works in all five circles. I do not believe that a person is going to have discipline and endurance in their business and not have discipline and endurance at home. You end up with the same muscle. And the same muscle that pushes through a quitting point in your business or in your workouts is the same muscle you'll have to exercise more patience with your loved ones or with your children, with your relationships. And so you keep bringing it back to it's one choice at a time. We know discipline, we know endurance, and I know you have so much more on the whole endurance piece, but just in the short time we have left, I'd love to get into this whole area of courage and what that actually looks like because people can identify with courage to some degree, we all love heroes. We can identify with movies or books or courageous people in history or people called sports stars, heroes, or whatever else. But we all are identified and, and can relate to fear. And to me, living courageously ultimately means not living in fear. What are your top tips for living courageously as you define an unshakable character? Here's something that I think is so important with courage, is being willing to face your fears head on. Mm. I know that has something to do with building courage. And whenever I see or hear of someone showing courage and facing their fears head on, I find myself saying, that's what I want to be like. Mm -hmm. I want more courage in my life. I don't want to be the type of person that's debilitated by fear or paralyzed by anxiety. I don't want to cave into challenging circumstances or or compromise on my convictions. I don't want to just give up. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a coward. 
I want to be a courageous person. You know, and sometimes we just think that people that exercise courage were just born that way. Right. We think it was in their heritage profile. It revealed <laughs> that person right there is a courageous person. He's a global courageous. Right. <laughs> right? We haven't had any of those, have we? No. Because the truth of the matter is that courageous people are just everyday people like you and me who've decided to intentionally at some point in their lives to drive the stake in the ground and to face their fears as opposed to run from them. Like you had said earlier, so many of us think courage is, you know, going into a burning building and pulling someone out or, or chasing down an armed robber. But the truth of the matter is courage is so central to selling real estate. Right. And if we don't get our arms around the importance of courage and the exercise of courage in our everyday interactions with our clients, then it's going to be a rough road to hope. It's interesting you bring up the whole burning building deal because I had a kind of a breakthrough moment at your home late last year. Many people don't know your brothers are in the Chicago Fire Department. One's a captain, one's a lieutenant. My kids are all fascinated by the fire department and so we were going through this photo album and we saw this picture of your brother bursting through a burning building, through a roof of a building to go and save the building next door. It was just like this backdraft type scene, an unbelievable deal. And so, you remember, we, I got you to make a bunch of photocopies of this picture, and the kids wanted to have your brother sign it, because this was this big, courageous act. And I'm having dinner later on with your brothers, and they're both talking about, oh, you know, running through fire and this and that and the other. That's something. But let me tell you, talking to my kids about values, now that's the stuff that really scares the dickens out of me. You know, having a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with my spouse when I really don't feel like it, that's scary. Run through a burning building is not. And uh, I thought, well, you know, hell has no fury. Yeah, I guess that's true. But, you know, because we do have these Hollywoodized versions of what heroes look like and what courageous living looks like. But I got to see it firsthand that the guys who are running in the burning building, it's the everyday stuff that they're having the struggles with that they have to work on. Yeah, no doubt, because you face your fears head on, and you have that tough conversation with the spouse, or you talk about money, and it manifests itself in so many areas in your marriage with your children, in your business, you know, hiring an assistant. Mm -hmm. You know, I could just tell you, I've experienced fear in all stages of my real estate career. I can remember when I first signed up for the real estate exam, and then took the test, and then joined a real estate office. There was all a measure of fear and discomfort that I experienced. And then there was a fear of, you know, working with that first buyer and, and then doing the contract presentation and going on a listing presentation and hiring an assistant. And, you know, when will it end? And I've even experienced when I first started presenting, get up and talk in front of people, I experienced fear. And it's when you face your fears, you diffuse fear. But when you run from the fear, you intensify fear. Right. And I've discovered that a commitment to live the good life a commitment to personal growth is a commitment to the constant reoccurrence of the experience of fear. Mm. A commitment to living a good life is a commitment to the constant reoccurrence of the experience of fear. Mm. Fear never goes away. And if you don't have fear in your life and you don't have fear when you're making decisions or you don't have fear when you're making calls, you may not be growing. And it's tough because in America... The choice to grow or not to grow is really the choice between comfort and fear. Mm. It's a choice between comfort and fear. It's a choice between staying in your comfort zone or 
the constant recurrence of the experience of fear. And, and in America, you know, we, we're all into the creature comforts, aren't we? Mm. The number one selling chair in America, you know what that is? <laughs> Lazy boy. Lazy boy, right. It's not risky boy or worker boy. <laughs> Discipline boy didn't make it, huh? No, it's lazy boy. And then we even have a verb that would describe what you do when you hang out on your lazy. Sure. You veg out. Vegging out. And you become a couch potato. <laughs> right? So you can become a couch potato, veg out on your lazy boy. But you don't grow. Mm. And you don't have courage. And that muscle, just like you can build it up and you can get stronger, it can also atrophy. Mm. And if you're not experiencing fear and you're not overcoming and attacking those little discomforts and those little fears, then we're not growing in the character quality courage. It seems like the, the whole fear application will manifest itself as we talk about an unshakable character. Discipline is ultimately what we have to, to have to strive to push through it. Endurance keeps pushing us through it. And then ultimately the courage is the mindset. And each one of these is a muscle. And you said something brilliant here, Joe, which is if you face the fears head on, you diffuse them. But if you don't, the fear intensifies, and that becomes a monster. No and doubt. I can remember, you know, one of the traditions my family had, I, you know, growing up, eight children in the family, mom and dad, every Friday they'd take us up to the local YMCA for family night, family swim. And I can remember my first experience going up on that diving board. And I had my siblings getting up there jumping, and they were all enjoying it. But I was afraid. Every week we would go to that YMCA, I would inch closer and closer to that board. And my dad knew how important it was for me to face the fear. I was fully capable of swimming, but I was afraid of the diving board. And I slowly, inch by inch, worked my way up, got onto that diving board, walked to the end, and I can remember experiencing sheer terror and not wanting to do it. And then looking over at my dad and he encouraging me on and giving me some accountability because I told him I was going to do it. There's the power of accountability again. I jumped off, went into the water, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm. And I climbed out of the water, and what did I do? I headed right back to the diving board again. Because mm. I diffused that fear, and it became something that I could handle and experience and enjoy, and I felt like I grew from that experience. I grew personally. My father knew that I grew in the character quality of courage. Mm. We face the fear, we diffuse it. We avoid the fear, it grows. My brother John calls it the mouse with the megaphone. Mm. There's people who have small little fears that have become overwhelming sources of paralysis for them, whether it's the having the conversation with the spouse about money, whether it's the calling the database. And, and then what happens is we get very indignant in our mindset of why it's a really good thing that we don't go through this fear. In fact, why it's really smart that we don't go through this fear. And what happens is now we start to build a really, really strong case like we were facing the Supreme Court in our subconscious that why this is actually a brilliant thing to do, why this is actually common sense, and why this works for me. And we end up living a fearful life. We ultimately know we're not tapping into our unrealized potential. Every audience I've ever spoken to, I've asked them by a show of hands how many feel they have some unfulfilled potential. And every audience I have ever spoken to anywhere in the world, has raised their hands and said, I know I've got some unrealized potential. And ultimately, cultivating an unshakable character is the way to realize your potential. You're going to need discipline, you're going to need endurance, and you're going to have to walk through fear, and you're going to have to be courageous. If you had one more tip for us, Joe, on living courageously, what would it be? Do 
would be to definitely seek courageous influences. Mm. You've been great at this, Brian, as far as finding movies that really hold up courage or hold up character. You know, getting those movies like Braveheart, reading those books like the book called Endurance, Mm -hmm. just getting those influences, having people around you that understand the importance of courage, understand how important it is for you to face your fears, having someone holding you accountable, having a coach to really hold the mirror up, that character mirror up for you to take a look, as painful as it might be, you know it's the most important thing for you to do. So seeking out those courageous influences, just understanding the centrality of the power of courage in your life. Mm. When we get our arms around that and understand how important courage is, and it's not like an optional character quality. Right. Because it's so central in everything we do. You know, the way I interact with my wife, I, I want more courage in that interaction. The way I interact with my children, I want to be truthful with them. I want to have courage to tell buddies of mine that, no, I'm not golfing, and I'm going to hang out with my kids. I want to have courage in my business. I want to have courage when I'm working with the buyer. I want to have courage to go do a price reduction. Courage, courage. I just want more courage. Right. Powerful stuff. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I certainly did. It was great to rehear the things that great man had to say. So I hope you uh, learned a lot from the uh, interview today. Please uh, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. I love hearing your feedback. It also helps us spread the word. And as I say on every podcast, our goal is to positively influence as many folks as we can. We don't promote things on this podcast. We're not selling anything on this podcast. All we ask is you listen to it, you enjoy it, you benefit, and then share it with a friend. We're very thankful of the growth of the show and how successful it's become. And here's what we want to do. We want to reach as many folks as we can because it turns out there's a lot of folks out there who really could enjoy and benefit from growing their character, and uh, we'd like to help them. So as I finish here today, I want to leave you with a little Irish blessing from a man who had an unshakable character, my grandfather. And he always used to say, may the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time. God bless.